Volume Two, Section Two of the Life of Charlotte Bronte. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Bruce Peary. The Life of Charlotte Bronte by Elizabeth Cleghorn Gaskell. Volume Two, Section Two. Chapter Two. The next year opened with a spell of cold, dreary weather, which told severely on a constitution already tried by anxiety and care. Miss Bronte describes herself as having utterly lost her appetite, and as looking grey, old, worn, and sunk from her sufferings during the inclement season. The cold brought on severe toothache. Toothache was the cause of a succession of restless, miserable nights, and long wakefulness told acutely upon her nerves making them feel with redoubled sensitiveness all the harass of her oppressive life. Yet she would not allow herself to lay her bad health to the charge of an uneasy mind. For after all, said she at this time, I have many, many things to be thankful for. But the real state of things may be gathered from the following extracts from her letters. March 1st even at the risk of appearing very exacting i can't help saying that i should like a letter as long as your last every time you write short notes give one the feeling of a very small piece of a very good thing to eat they set the appetite on edge and don't satisfy it a letter leaves you more contented and yet after all i am very glad to get notes so don't think when you are pinched for time and materials that it is useless to write a few lines be assured a few lines are very acceptable as far as they go and though i like long letters i would by no means have you to make a task of writing them i really should like you to come to haworth before i go again to b and it is natural and right that i should have this wish to keep friendship in proper order the balance of good offices must be preserved otherwise a disquieting and anxious feeling creeps in and destroys mutual comfort in summer and in fine weather your visit here might be much better managed than in winter we could go out more be more independent of the house and of our room branwell has been conducting himself very badly lately i expect from the extravagance of his behaviour and from mysterious hints he drops for he never will speak out plainly that we shall be hearing news of fresh debts contracted by him soon my health is better I lay the blame of its feebleness on the cold weather more than on an uneasy mind. March 24th, 1847 It is at Haworth, if all be well, that we must next see each other again. I owe you a grudge for giving Miss M. some very exaggerated account about my not being well, and setting her on to urge my leaving home as quite a duty. I'll take care not to tell you next time when I think I am looking specially old and ugly as if people could not have that privilege without being supposed to be at the last gasp. I shall be thirty-one next birthday. My youth is gone, like a dream, and very little use have I ever made of it. What have I done these last thirty years? Precious little. The quiet, sad year stole on. The sisters were contemplating, near at hand, and for a long time, the terrible effects of talents misused and faculties abused, in the person of that brother, once their fond darling and dearest pride. 
they had to cheer the poor old father into whose heart all trials sank the deeper because of the silent stoicism of his endurance they had to watch over his health of which whatever was its state he seldom complained they had to save as much as they could the precious remnants of his sight they had to order the frugal household with increased care so as to supply wants and expenditure utterly foreign to their self-denying natures though they shrank from overmuch contact with their fellow-beings for all whom they met they had kind words if few and when kind actions were needed they were not spared if the sisters at the parsonage could render them they visited the parish schools duly and often were charlotte's rare and brief holidays of a visit from home shortened by her sense of the necessity of being in her place at the sunday school in the intervals of such a life as this jane eyre was making progress the professor was passing slowly and heavily from publisher to publisher wuthering heights and agnes gray had been accepted by another publisher on terms somewhat impoverishing to the two authors a bargain to be alluded to more fully hereafter it was lying in his hands awaiting his pleasure for its passage through the press during all the months of early summer the piece of external brightness to which the sisters looked during these same summer months was the hope that the friend to whom so many of charlotte's letters are addressed and who was her chosen companion whenever circumstances permitted them to be together as well as a favourite with emily and anne would be able to pay them a visit at haworth fine weather had come in may charlotte writes and they hoped to make their visitor decently comfortable their brother was tolerably well having got to the end of a considerable sum of money which he became possessed of in the spring and therefore under the wholesome restriction of poverty but charlotte warns her friend that she must expect to find a change in his appearance and that he is broken in mind and ends her note of entreating invitation by saying i pray for fine weather that we may get out while you stay at length the day was fixed friday will suit us very well i do trust nothing will now arise to prevent your coming i shall be anxious about the weather on that day if it rains i shall cry don't expect me to meet you where would be the good of it i neither like to meet nor to be met unless indeed you had a box or a basket for me to carry then there would be some sense in it come in black blue pink white or scarlet as you like come shabby or smart neither the colour nor the condition signifies provided only the dress contains e all will be right but there came the first of a series of disappointments to be borne one feels how sharp it must have been to have wrung out the following words may twentieth your letter of yesterday did indeed give me a cruel chill of disappointment i cannot blame you for i know it was not your fault i do not altogether exempt blank from reproach this is bitter but i feel bitter as to going to be i will not go near the place till you have been to haworth my respects to all and sundry accompanied with a large amount of wormwood and gall from the effusion of which you and your mother are alone accepted c b you are quite at liberty to tell what i think if you judge proper though it is true i may be somewhat unjust for i am deeply annoyed i thought i had arranged your visit tolerably comfortable for you this time i may find it more difficult on another occasion 
i must give one sentence from a letter written about this time as it shows distinctly the clear strong sense of the writer i was amused by what she says respecting her wish that when she marries her husband will at least have a will of his own even should he be a tyrant tell her when she forms that aspiration again she must make it conditional if her husband has a strong will he must also have strong sense a kind heart and a thoroughly correct notion of justice because a man with a weak brain and a strong will is merely an intractable brute you can have no hold of him you can never lead him right a tyrant under any circumstances is a curse meanwhile the professor had met with many refusals from different publishers some i have reason to believe not over courteously worded in writing to an unknown author and none alleging any distinct reasons for its rejection courtesy is always due but it is perhaps hardly to be expected that in the press of business in a great publishing-house they should find time to explain why they decline particular works yet though one course of action is not to be wondered at the opposite may fall upon a grieved and disappointed mind with all the graciousness of due and i can well sympathize with the published account which currer bell gives of the feelings experienced on reading messrs smith and elder's letter containing the rejection of the professor as a forlorn hope we tried one publishing-house more ere long in a much shorter space than that on which experience had taught him to calculate there came a letter which he opened in the dreary anticipation of finding two hard hopeless lines intimating that messrs smith and elder were not disposed to publish the manuscript and instead he took out of the envelope a letter of two pages he read it trembling it declined indeed to publish that tale for business reasons but it discussed its merits and demerits so courteously so considerately in a spirit so rational with a discrimination so enlightened that this very refusal cheered the author better than a vulgarly expressed acceptance would have done it was added that a work in three volumes would meet with careful attention mr smith has told me a little circumstance connected with the reception of this manuscript which seems to me indicative of no ordinary character it came accompanied by the note given below in a brown paper parcel to sixty-five cornhill besides the address to messrs smith and company there were on it those of other publishers to whom the tale had been sent not obliterated but simply scored through so that messrs smith at once perceived the names of some of the houses in the trade to which the unlucky parcel had gone without success to messrs smith and elder july fifteenth eighteen forty seven gentlemen i beg to submit to your consideration the accompanying manuscript i should be glad to learn whether it be such as you approve and would undertake to publish at as early a period as possible address mr currer bell under cover to miss bronte haworth bradford yorkshire some time elapsed before an answer was returned a little circumstance might be mentioned here though it belongs to a somewhat earlier period as showing miss bronte's inexperience of the ways of the world and willing deference to the opinion of others she had written to a publisher about one of her manuscripts which she had sent him and not receiving any reply she consulted her brother as to what could be the reason for the prolonged silence 
he at once set it down to her not having enclosed a postage-stamp in her letter she accordingly wrote again to repair her former omission and apologize for it to messrs smith and elder august second eighteen forty seven gentlemen about three weeks since i sent for your consideration a manuscript entitled the professor a tale by currer bell i should be glad to know whether it reached your hands safely and likewise to learn at your earliest convenience whether it be such as you can undertake to publish i am gentlemen yours respectfully currer bell i enclose a directed cover for your reply this time her note met with a prompt answer for four days later she writes in reply to the letter which she afterwards characterized in the preface to the second edition of wuthering heights as containing a refusal so delicate reasonable and courteous as to be more cheering than some acceptances your objection to the want of varied interest in the tale is i am aware not without grounds yet it appears to me that it might be published without serious risk if its appearance were speedily followed up by another work from the same pen of a more striking and exciting character the first work might serve as an introduction and accustom the public to the author's name the success of the second might thereby be rendered more probable i have a second narrative in three volumes now in progress and nearly completed to which i have endeavoured to impart a more vivid interest than belongs to the professor in about a month i hope to finish it so that if a publisher were found for the professor the second narrative might follow as soon as was deemed advisable and thus the interest of the public if any interest was aroused might not be suffered to cool will you be kind enough to favour me with your judgment on this plan while the minds of the three sisters were in this state of suspense their long-expected friend came to pay her promised visit she was with them at the beginning of the glowing august of that year they were out on the moors for the greater part of the day basking in the golden sunshine which was bringing on an unusual plenteousness of harvest for which somewhat later charlotte expressed her earnest desire that there should be a thanksgiving service in all the churches august was the season of glory for the neighbourhood of haworth even the smoke lying in the valley between that village and keithley took beauty from the radiant colours on the moors above the rich purple of the heather bloom calling out an harmonious contrast in the tawny golden light that in the full heat of summer evenings comes stealing everywhere through the dun atmosphere of the hollows and up on the moors turning away from all habitations of men the royal ground on which they stood would expand into long swells of amethyst tinted hills melting away into aerial tints and the fresh and fragrant scent of the heather and the murmur of innumerable bees would lend a poignancy to the relish with which they welcomed their friend to their own true home on the wild and open hills there too they could escape from the shadow in the house below throughout this time during all these confidences not a word was uttered to their friend of the three tales in london two accepted and in the press one trembling in the balance of a publisher's judgment nor did she hear of that other story nearly completed lying in manuscript in the grey old parsonage down below she might have her suspicions that they all wrote with an intention of publication some time 
but she knew the bounds which they set to themselves in their communications nor could she nor can any one else wonder at their reticence when remembering how scheme after scheme had failed just as it seemed close upon accomplishment mr bronte too had his suspicions of something going on but never being spoken to he did not speak on the subject and consequently his ideas were vague and uncertain only just prophetic enough to keep him from being actually stunned when later on he heard of the success of jane eyre to the progress of which we must now return to messrs smith and elder august twenty fourth i now send you per rail a manuscript entitled jane eyre a novel in three volumes by currer bell i find i cannot prepay the carriage of the parcel as money for that purpose is not received at the small station-house where it is left if when you acknowledge the receipt of the manuscript you would have the goodness to mention the amount charged on delivery i will immediately transmit it in postage stamps it is better in future to address mr currer bell under cover to miss bronte haworth bradford yorkshire as there is a risk of letters otherwise directed not reaching me at present to save trouble i enclose an envelope jane eyre was accepted and printed and published by october sixteenth while it was in the press miss bronte went to pay a short visit to her friend at b the proofs were forwarded to her there and she occasionally sat at the same table with her friend correcting them but they did not exchange a word on the subject immediately on her return to the parsonage she wrote september i had a very wet windy walk home from keithley but my fatigue quite disappeared when i reached home and found all well thank god for it my boxes came safe this morning i have distributed the presents papa says i am to remember him most kindly to you the screen will be very useful and he thanks you for it tabby was charmed with her cap she said she never thought of naught at a sort as miss sending her aught and she is sure she can never thank her enough for it i was infuriated on finding a jar in my trunk at first i hoped it was empty but when i found it heavy and replete i could have hurled it all the way back to b however the inscription a b softened me much it was at once kind and villainous in you to send it you ought first to be tenderly kissed and then afterwards as tenderly whipped emily is just now on the floor of the bedroom where i am writing looking at her apples she smiled when i gave the collar to her as your present with an expression at once well pleased and slightly surprised all send their love yours in a mixture of anger and love when the manuscript of jane eyre had been received by the future publishers of that remarkable novel it fell to the share of a gentleman connected with the firm to read it first he was so powerfully struck by the character of the tale that he reported his impression in very strong terms to mr smith who appears to have been much amused by the admiration excited you seem to have been so enchanted that i do not know how to believe you he laughingly said but when a second reader in the person of a clear-headed scotchman not given to enthusiasm had taken the manuscript home in the evening and became so deeply interested in it as to sit up half the night to finish it mr smith's curiosity was sufficiently excited to prompt him to read it for himself and great as were the praises which had been bestowed upon it he found that they had not exceeded the truth 
On its publication, copies were presented to a few private literary friends. Their discernment had been rightly reckoned upon. They were of considerable standing in the world of letters, and one and all returned expressions of high praise along with their thanks for the book. Among them was the great writer of fiction for whom Miss Bronte felt so strong an admiration. He immediately appreciated, and, in a characteristic note to the publishers, acknowledged its extraordinary merits. The reviews were more tardy or more cautious. The Athenium and the Spectator gave short notices, containing qualified admissions of the power of the author. The Literary Gazette was uncertain as to whether it was safe to praise an unknown author. The Daily News declined accepting the copy which had been sent on the score of a rule never to review novels, but a little later on there appeared a notice of the Bachelor of the Albany in that paper, and Messrs. Smith and Elder again forwarded a copy of Jane Eyre to the editor with a request for a notice. This time the work was accepted but I am not aware what was the character of the article upon it. The examiner came forward to the rescue, as far as the opinions of professional critics were concerned. The literary articles in that paper were always remarkable for their genial and generous appreciation of merit. Nor was the notice of Jane Eyre an exception. It was full of hearty, yet delicate and discriminating praise. Otherwise, the press in general did little to promote the sale of the novel. The demand for it among librarians had begun before the appearance of the review in the examiner. The power of fascination of the tale itself made its merits known to the public, without the kindly finger-posts of professional criticism, and, early in December, the rush began for copies. I will insert two or three of Miss Bronte's letters to her publishers in order to show how timidly the idea of success was received by one so unaccustomed to adopt a sanguine view of any subject in which she was individually concerned. The occasions on which these notes were written will explain themselves. October 19th, 1847 Gentlemen, the six copies of Jane Eyre reached me this morning. You have given the work every advantage which good paper, clear type, and a seemly outside can supply. If it fails, the fault will lie with the author. You are exempt. I now await the judgment of the press and the public. I am, gentlemen, yours respectfully, C. Bell. Messrs. Smith, Elder and Company, October twenty-sixth, 1847 Gentlemen, I have received the newspapers. They speak quite as favorably of Jane Eyre as I expected them to do. The notice in the Literary Gazette seems certainly to have been indicted in rather a flat mood, and the Athenium has a style of its own, which I respect, but cannot exactly relish. Still, when one considers that journals of that standing have a dignity to maintain, which would be deranged by too cordial recognition of the claims of an obscure author, I suppose there is every reason to be satisfied. Meantime, a brisk sale would be effectual support under the hauteur of lofty critics. I am, gentlemen, yours respectfully, C. Bell. Messrs. Smith, Elder and Company, November 13th, 1847. Gentlemen, I have to acknowledge the receipt of yours of the 11th of this month, and to thank you for the information it communicates. The notice from the People's Journal also duly reached me, and this morning I received the Spectator. 
the critique in the spectator gives that view of the book which will naturally be taken by a certain class of minds i shall expect it to be followed by other notices of a similar nature the way to detraction has been pointed out and will probably be pursued most future notices will in all likelihood have a reflection of the spectator in them i fear this turn of opinion will not improve the demand for the book but time will show if jane eyre has any solid worth in it it ought to weather a gust of unfavourable wind i am gentlemen yours respectfully c bell messrs smith elder and company november thirtieth eighteen forty seven gentlemen i have received the economist but not the examiner from some cause that paper has missed as the spectator did on a former occasion i am glad however to learn through your letter that its notice of jane eyre was favourable and also that the prospects of the work appear to improve i am obliged to you for the information respecting wuthering heights i am gentlemen yours respectfully c bell to messrs smith elder and company december first eighteen forty seven gentlemen the examiner reached me to-day it had been missent on account of the direction which was to currer bell care of miss bronte allow me to intimate that it would be better in future not to put the name of currer bell on the outside of communications if directed simply to Miss Bronte, they will be more likely to reach their destination safely. Currer Bell is not known in the district, and I have no wish that he should become known. The notice in the examiner gratified me very much. It appears to be from the pen of an able man who has understood what he undertakes to criticize. Of course, approbation from such a quarter is encouraging to an author, and I trust it will prove beneficial to the work i am gentlemen yours respectfully c bell i received likewise seven other notices from provincial papers enclosed in an envelope i thank you very sincerely for so punctually sending me all the various criticisms on jane eyre to messrs smith elder and company december tenth eighteen forty seven gentlemen i beg to acknowledge the receipt of your letter enclosing a bank post bill for which i thank you Having already expressed my sense of your kind and upright conduct, I can now only say that I trust you will always have reason to be as well content with me as I am with you. If the result of any future exertions I may be able to make should prove agreeable and advantageous to you, I shall be well satisfied, and it would be a serious source of regret to me if I thought you ever had reason to repent being my publishers. You need not apologize, gentlemen, for having written to me so seldom. Of course I am always glad to hear from you, but I am truly glad to hear from Mr. Williams likewise. He was my first favourable critic. He first gave me encouragement to persevere as an author. Consequently, I naturally respect him and feel grateful to him. Excuse the informality of my letter, and believe me, gentlemen, yours respectfully, Kerr Bell there is little record remaining of the manner in which the first news of its wonderful success reached and affected the one heart of the three sisters i once asked charlotte we were talking about the description of lowood school and she was saying she was not sure whether she should have written it if she had been aware how instantaneously it would have been identified with cowan bridge whether the popularity to which the novel attained had taken her by surprise she hesitated a little and then said 
i believed that what had impressed me so forcibly when i wrote it must make a strong impression on any one who read it i was not surprised at those who read jane eyre being deeply interested in it but i hardly expected that a book by an unknown author could find readers the sisters had kept the knowledge of their literary ventures from their father fearing to increase their own anxieties and disappointment by witnessing his for he took an acute interest in all that befell his children and his own tendency had been towards literature in the days when he was young and hopeful it was true that he did not much manifest his feelings in words he would have thought that he was prepared for disappointment as the lot of man and that he could have met it with stoicism but words are poor and tardy interpreters of feelings to those who love one another and his daughters knew how he would have borne ill success worse for them than for himself so they did not tell him what they were undertaking he says now that he suspected it all along but his suspicions could take no exact form as all he was certain of was that his children were perpetually writing and not writing letters we have seen how the communications from their publishers were received under cover to miss bronte once charlotte told me they overheard the postman meeting mr bronte as the latter was leaving the house and inquiring from the parson where one cur bell could be living to which mr bronte replied that there was no such person in the parish this must have been the misadventure to which miss bronte alludes in the beginning of her correspondence with mr aylott now however when the demand for the work had assured success to jane eyre her sisters urged charlotte to tell their father of its publication she accordingly went into his study one afternoon after his early dinner carrying with her a copy of the book and one or two reviews taking care to include a notice adverse to it she informed me that something like the following conversation took place between her and him i wrote down her words the day after i heard them and i am pretty sure they are quite accurate papa i have been writing a book have you my dear yes and i want you to read it i am afraid it will try my eyes too much but it is not in manuscript it is printed my dear you've never thought of the expense it will be it will be almost sure to be a loss for how can you get a book sold no one knows you or your name but papa i don't think it will be a loss no more will you if you will just let me read you a review or two and tell you more about it so she sat down and read some of the reviews to her father and then giving him the copy of jane eyre that she intended for him she left him to read it when he came in to tea he said girls do you know charlotte has been writing a book and it is much better than likely but while the existence of cur bell the author was like a piece of a dream to the quiet inhabitants of haworth parsonage who went on with their uniform household life their cares for their brother being its only variety the whole reading world of england was in a ferment to discover the unknown author even the publishers of jane eyre were ignorant whether cur bell was a real or an assumed name whether it belonged to a man or a woman in every town people sought out the list of their friends and acquaintances and turned away in disappointment no one they knew had genius enough to be the author 
every little incident mentioned in the book was turned this way and that to answer if possible the much vexed question of sex all in vain people were content to relax their exertions to satisfy their curiosity and simply to sit down and greatly admire i am not going to write an analysis of a book with which every one who reads this biography is sure to be acquainted much less a criticism upon a work which the great flood of public opinion has lifted up from the obscurity in which it first appeared and laid high and safe on the everlasting hills of fame before me lies a packet of extracts from newspapers and periodicals which mr bronte has sent me it is touching to look them over and see how there is hardly any notice however short and clumsily worded in any obscure provincial paper but what has been cut out and carefully ticketed with its date by the poor bereaved father so proud when he first read them so desolate now for one and all are full of praise of this great unknown genius which suddenly appeared amongst us conjecture as to the authorship ran about like wildfire people in london smooth and polished as the athenians of old and like them spending their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing were astonished and delighted to find that a fresh sensation a new pleasure was in reserve for them in the uprising of an author capable of depicting with accurate and titanic power the strong self-reliant racy and individual characters which were not after all extinct species but lingered still in existence in the north they thought that there was some exaggeration mixed with the peculiar force of delineation those nearer to the spot where the scene of the story was apparently laid were sure from the very truth and accuracy of the writing that the writer was no southern for though dark and cold and rugged is the north the old strength of the scandinavian races yet abides there and glowed out in every character depicted in jane eyre farther than this curiosity both honourable and dishonourable was at fault when the second edition appeared in the january of the following year with the dedication to mr thackeray people looked at each other and wondered afresh but currer bell knew no more of william makepeace thackeray as an individual man of his life age fortunes or circumstances than she did of those of mr michael angelo titmarsh the one had placed his name as author upon the title-page of vanity fair the other had not she was thankful for the opportunity of expressing her high admiration of a writer whom as she says she regarded as the social regenerator of his day as the very master of that working corps who would restore to rectitude the warped state of things his wit is bright his humour attractive but both bear the same relation to his serious genius that the mere lambent sheet-lightning playing under the edge of the summer cloud does to the electric death-spark hid in its womb anne bronte had been more than usually delicate all the summer and her sensitive spirit had been deeply affected by the great anxiety of her home but now that jane eyre gave such indications of success charlotte began to plan schemes of future pleasure perhaps relaxation from care would be the more correct expression for their darling younger sister the little one of the household but 
though anne was cheered for a time by charlotte's success the fact was that neither her spirits nor her bodily strength were such as to incline her to much active exertion and she led far too sedentary a life continually stooping either over her book or work or at her death it is with difficulty writes her sister that we can prevail upon her to take a walk or induce her to converse i look forward to next summer with the confident intention that she shall if possible make at least a brief sojourn at the seaside in this same letter is a sentence telling how dearly home even with its present terrible drawback lay at the roots of her heart but it is too much blended with reference to the affairs of others to bear quotation end of section two